All right. Hello and welcome, Karis families, once again to the Karis Podcast. Today we have on a special guest, Mr. Aaron Decker, one of our newer teachers, our beloved PE teacher. He also teaches STEM. Oh boy, here we go. Geometry. Physical science. Physical science. You and teach calculus. And calculus. And geometry. I said geometry. Okay. I said <laughs> With a little bit of linear algebra sprinkled in just for fun. Yeah, super fun. Well, so we are very excited to have Mr. Decker on today. And the reason he is here is because we're going to be talking about a study that just came out um, that was conducted through uh, ACCS, the Association of Classical Christian Schools. They did not conduct the study, but they um, will talk a little bit more about that. But it talks about the life outcome of classical Christian alumni, of the students that go through um, these classical Christian schools and um, what their life looks like after college and after um after going through a classical Christian school. So, um, first of all, Mr. Decker, this is your first time on our podcast. I'm sure not the last, but if you could introduce yourself to us, that'd be great. When did you come to Karis? I came to Karis at the beginning of this year. (laughs) So 2020. 2020. You did a great job recruiting. (laughs) Been recruiting him for a while. Aaron and I go to church together, so I always thought he should uh, join the Karis team. Um, So tell us a little bit about your background, Mr. Decker. Yeah, so part of the reason I'm here as the the resident nerd to talk about uh, some data in a survey is I uh, went to Platteville, so kind of west of here, uh, studying mathematics and software engineering. I worked a little while uh, down in Verona at Epic, uh, was kind of rolling off that gig, and Mrs. Tuck recruited me uh, <laughs> into Karis, uh, so then I took the position here, and um, the rest is history. Great, the yeah. rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Mr. Decker is a beloved teacher here at the Vine. He teaches the older classes. Um, so, also jujitsu. If you need any good jujitsu moves, you can ask him. He did I say you teach PE as well? Uh, yeah, okay, it's part that. of a you know a balanced uh, physical education is uh, the jujitsu class, just like Socrates would have wanted us to. Oh, there it is. <laughs> there it Name is. drop. <laughs> okay, so we're going to jump right in here. Um, thanks again for being on with us today, Mr. Decker. Um, so we know that classical Christian education is a form of education that has been tested for centuries with history as its measure. But the question is, are we doing classical Christian education as effectively today? The restoration of classical Christian education is only three decades old, and we're still learning. So like we said before, ACCS, the Association of Classical Christian Schools, which is an umbrella of our school, we are part of that organization, um, they're at the front of the modern classical Christian movement. And they have partnered with the University of Notre Dame to track the outcome of alumni. So there's an expansive study done by the University of Notre Dame on behalf of CARDIS, a foundation that tracks the outcome of different school segments of alumni ages 23 to 44. They fielded this study twice before and were in the midst of their third survey when ACCS approached the researchers about conducting the same survey using ACCS alumni as a proxy for classical Christian education. And the researchers at Notre Dame, the University of Notre Dame indicated a need for a large enough sample of alumni. And finally, after almost three decades, we have a large enough sample of alumni now. They needed about 2,500. So that's what we were able to provide, well, ACCS was able to provide. So um, when we talk about the methodology of this particular study, we're going to talk about the outcome. And we're talk about the results here that are really encouraging, really exciting. Um, but let's start with the methodology. Oh, definitely. When I first heard of this survey, I was kind of floored with the outcomes. So immediately the the skeptic in me was like, well, 
uh, you know, can we really trust surveys uh, that are beneficial to the group that sponsored them? And the answer here is definitely yes. So how this one works is the ACCS didn't write this survey. Mm -hmm. The survey was already written and it was sponsored by the Cardis group, which just wanted to study the effect of education on faith and life in general. And they went through the University of Notre Dame sociology department. So this isn't, you know, a fundraising survey like my grandma would get in the mail. This is an actual, you know, statistically valid survey. It's 80 or 90 pages. They pay participants. They're actually doing a random sample. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's great. With the CARTA survey, you can see things broken down into, say, public schools, private prep schools, Mm -hmm. Catholic, evangelical, homeschool. What it doesn't tell is look specifically at ACCS schools because we're just not that big a segment of the population for the CARTA survey to cover that. Mm -hmm. So what the ACCS did is they went to that same department at Notre Dame and said, we'll pay you to give the same survey that you've already done this kind of nationally valid survey, but also give it to our folks, Mm -hmm. uh, the ACCS alumni, so that we can break those folks out kind of as a subsection of the CARTA survey. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about uh, how these results are interpreted. Uh, Because once you get the the raw data back from the survey, for example, a question might be, uh, what were your college grades like? And we could see differences between schools in that. But we should recognize that uh, correlation doesn't mean causation. It could be that private prep schools actually give you higher grades than, say, public schools. Or it could be the case that there's another factor. Maybe families with more money are more likely to send their kids to a private prep school, and it could be families with more money are more likely to have kids that score higher in college. Um, The same thing if you're talking about sharing your faith. Is it the homeschooling that's causing you to share your faith better, or is it just the people who would generally evangelize more tend to put their kids inside homeschool? So what the Notre Dame sociology department did is they tried to isolate the schools as just a factor. So along with the survey, part of that was demographic information. So how much your family makes. Are both parents at home? What's the educational level of both parents so that you can use uh, a pretty standard statistical tool called linear regression that basically rebalances for those variables so that we're talking apples and apples and not looking at uh, you know confounding factors like money and having both parents in the house Mm -hmm. so that's what the adjusted numbers are for they said computer model which originally made me a little like computers can say anything Uh, but the method they used is standard in the industry. Hmm, That's really helpful. And you have gone through this study, right? So as you look through this, you feel you've Mm -hmm. gone through that study, you you feel confident that 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 has. In fact, in college, I had uh, one full semester of linear regression. (laughs) Wow, that's very specific. (laughs) It said statistics too, but it ended up just being linear regression. Okay, all right. Well, great. Well, and classical Christian education is radically different because it's based on the foundational truth that everything in our world only can be rightly understood in light of Christ and his kingdom, which actually changes the complexion of education. So um, it, you know, it, it makes sense that we weren't necessarily included in that, but, um, and since we were so young. So ACCS schools divide less by subjects and more by the several seven li- liberal arts. So just going through like a quick, quick overview of classical education, um, just before we get into the details of the statistics, which most of our parents probably already know and our listeners already know but um 
If not, we're getting a little bit more specific. So we, we divide less by subjects and more by the seven, seven liberal arts. So grammar, logic, rhetoric, arithmetic, geometry, astronomy, or, or physics, and music. And these are practiced in three realms of philosophy, so moral, natural, and logical arenas of knowledge. Um, and so like uh, Aaron said, the other school segments studied in the Cardis study that Notre Dame studied were public schools, private non-religious schools, so prep schools, Catholic schools, Protestant Christian or evangelical schools, and relig religious homeschools, and then finally we were included ACCS schools um, as they studied. We asked them to study our demographic as well. So um, when all of this information, there's like like you said, 80 to 90 pages of statistics that were that were given to us um, of information that was given um, out of this study. So they were broken out just to make it easier for us lay people like me to read into seven profiles. Um, so let's go through those. I'm going to just give a quick overview of them. Um, they, were, they were broken out into um, life outlook, Christian life, Christian commitment, um, conservative and traditional, prepared for college and career, independent thinkers, and their cultural influence. Now, some of these sound uh, a little different than what they actually study, but we'll, we'll go through those specifically um, as, we, as we walk through each of these profiles. One thing I do want to let you know at the outset is that you can actually see all 80 to 90 pages of this study and then what we're going to be walking through, these seven profiles, on classicaldifference.com. And it's called the Good Soil Study. So I highly recommend for all of our parents to go and look at that. It is very encouraging, very interesting. If you have any questions about the uh, statistics portion of it, you can just ask Mr. Decker. The PDF is also available online. It's about 90 pages. It's a, okay. a great read. Okay, there you go. Just before bed. I was going to say Friday night, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> grab some popcorn. Exactly. Read this <laughs> Perfect. Okay, so the first profile is life outlook. Um, and they're asking these questions in a yes, no. Um, so I have so much in life to be thankful for. I feel helpless dealing with life's problems, yes or no. I believe my suffering has a purpose, is in God's plan. And do I have good friends? So, Mr. Decker, do you want to talk a little bit through some of these things that we noticed? Uh, sure. So these uh, data are reported as percentage above the median response. So, for example, in a question like, I have so much in life to be thankful for, the median response of folks is 40% uh, said, you know, I have that level of agreement. Mm -hmm. So they draw, draw the graph, which unfortunately we can't show you because it's a podcast. You can go online to the Good Soil Survey and get the cool graphics because they are pretty neat. They are, um, yes. So that's how they show it above median or below median if your school is, you know, dragging you down. And that's an interesting one where uh, we've got public schools around 55 percent, prep schools 51, Catholic around 55, evangelical 61, homeschool about 64, ACCS is 79 percent. Mm -hmm. uh, another one to note would be the uh, everything, even my suffering is part of God's plan. Yeah. And there the ACCS segment is uh, about 10 percent ahead of uh, the next largest one, which is evangelical, and it's about uh, probably 20 to 25 percent above the other ones. And I think that's because of our integrated curriculum. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think uh, a standard thing that kind of haunts us um, in Christianity is we go with kind of the Sunday school answers because that's how we choose to impart knowledge of like, you know, we'll talk about 
you know, God being sovereign over your problems, but only in this one context, which is Sunday morning, Sunday school. And that's like an hour a week uh, when you're pretty young. And then when you're older, well, you don't want it, you know, the first time your car breaks down, you don't want that to be the first time you're thinking through how suffering, your own suffering plays into the broader picture. Right. Whereas with the classical model, we're working that into history class of, well, is there a meaning to history? How does God's plan work in this? When we look at the sciences and how that's an you know, unfolding, we can talk about the applications there upon our life. So, and especially interacting with the great literature of the past, which is a lot about suffering. When we think about Greek literature, it's what? Lots of tragedies, yeah. <laughs> uh, not happy-go-lucky stories. Mm-hmm. So we've got hours and hours of training and thinking through sources and the idea of suffering. So then when it comes up in our own lives, our alumni know how to actually apply those theological concepts that they've learned in Sunday school or whatever. Yeah, that's great. We were just talking about that in um, in our home, too. It's uh, Somebody said it's theology coming out of your fingertips, but it really helps when it's integrated into your classroom and into um, everyday life. It's like, well, whether it's a tragedy, something really difficult happening, which we've had some of that in our Karis families where we've been able to you know, work through some of that together, pray for our, our classmates, our, our Karis family, and some of our other families here. Two, something small, like whether it be a fender bender or I, somebody just said the other day they took a cake out of the oven and something it splattered on the floor. Like it, it's really frustrating and annoying, but like if I really believe that all things are for my good, right? Like I can be really annoyed or I can laugh and clean it up and see what I can learn from it. So that might be a little bit minute there, but it's things like that where it's really important to to walk through history, walk through these things with our classmates and with our teachers. And um, what a beautiful thing that this is integrated into our classrooms. And even something small like our homeroom class that starts the day, we have a time for folks to ask each other for prayer requests. Yeah. And I think that plays in here of if you're just one person, it kind of feels like, oh, tragedy comes and like, what's happening to me? Whereas if you're regularly actually involved in other people's lives knowing about the difficult things that are going on for them it gives you a lot more perspective when those you know bad things do inevitably happen absolutely yeah absolutely that's great okay so anything else for life outlook here Uh, 89% have more close friends than the median yes that was very interesting too yeah yep I think the question was do you have three or more close friends and so um that was an interesting look you know ACCS students are um, almost 40, more 45% higher than the next highest. So, yeah, impressive. Um, the other questions there were, I feel helpless dealing with life's problems, and I believe uh, we already talked about suffering. But, um, yeah, so that was, a, that was a good one to go through. Okay, Christian life is the second one. Um, they, they asked questions like, how many volunteer hours do you put in? Um, are you divorced? Are you unmarried and living together uh, with your partner? Um, and do you accept church authority? Those are some that stood out to me. So, Mr. Decker, do you want to look through some of those um, answers? And Yeah, I think the first one I actually heard of with this survey was the unmarried and living together one. That was uh, kind of the lead line introducing uh, the survey when I was listening to the ACCS teleconference last year. Um, because they asked this question and to kind of set it up, I think all of us would probably agree our culture is kind of going through a uh, trouble figuring out its sexual ethics right now. Mm-hmm. And 
living together before you're married is something that's very clear in the Bible, like you're not supposed to do. And it's also something that cuts across political boundaries. Some questions in sexual ethics are very politicized, but this is one that's not. Um, so I think it's a, a very good proxy for how are folks actually taking the, the teaching of the Bible and applying it. And what kind of floored me here is we have the uh, other response percentages um, are around 12%. Uh, to 8% in the responses. With ACCS, they surveyed around 300 people randomly chosen from the alumni. They couldn't find anyone hmm. who said yes to that, uh, which I think is pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point too um, about the question not being as politicized as some of the others. That's really good. Um, 92% of the ACCS grads talk about God with their families. Um, and uh, and there's that integration again, and yeah, mm-hmm. the the whole idea that this Western tradition speaks to the overarching problems uh, that face humanity goes right here, because our students are used to talking about those things. As we read through, uh, you know, the Iliad, we have questions about uh, wrath and anger, for example. Achilles decides not to fight. Is that a good idea? Is that a bad idea? We can think through those things, and we also apply what we know that God has revealed to us to those stories. So then when it comes to sitting down with our family, well, what are we going to talk about? You know, it's not going to be the latest episode of some raunchy TV show. We're going to be talking about, you know, what's true, good and beautiful. Yeah. Yep. Amen. Um, Anything else on this one? 47% have a child in a religious school. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. versus 25% of other conservative Christian schools. So if you go to an ACCS school, your kids will want their kids to go too. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's good. Okay, um, number three is Christian commitment. Um, do the, do these alumni attend church more than three times a month? Do they read the Bible regularly? Those are some of those questions. Um, are, you, are, are they leaders in their congregations? Uh, Walk through some of those uh, statistics with us, Aaron. Sure. So uh, one of them that's called out is 90% are attending church and uh, more than three times a month. And again, kind of like the cohabitation one, like church attendance is something that's pretty clear in the Bible is like an expectation. Um, So it's good to see that we do have numbers that high. Uh, Kind of the downer part of me is like, why are we only at 90%? We should be at 100%. (laughs) Um, But then again, I'm, you know, that kind of person of like an A minus. What do you mean I got an A minus? Like I need the A plus. So um, the comparison there is versus 66% of other uh, conservative Christian schools. So we do see a bump Mm -hmm. that we'd say is based on the statistical method, most likely caused by the... ACCS classical model. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another one would be uh, I read the Bible on my own several times a week. Uh, ACS, the ACCS category uh, had six times a week. Um, other things range from uh, uh, the Catholic schools around two times a week uh, up to homeschools around four and a half or five. So we've got a, a bump there as well for kind of engaging with literature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How one that's interesting is I am seeking a job that is dot, dot, dot. And your options there are religious, creative, helpful to others, and pays well. And we see a bump amongst uh, the ACSES compared to uh, Catholic, evangelical, and homeschool ones on the categories of religious, creative, and helpful to others. Uh, Whereas we actually see a decrease in the importance of 
pays well on there. Hmm. Which is very interesting, right? Like that's not a negative thing, but what they're looking for is something that's satisfying, fulfilling, something that suits their giftings. I'm assuming that that's just not as much of a priority there. I think they might have been a ranked order on the original survey because some of those questions are that way where they seem a little oddball. Well, it's because the underlying survey instrument wasn't written by the ACCS. It was written by Cardis. And they'd have things like sliders on a screen. So if you can imagine you got these four, like, of course, our graduates are probably, you know, wanting to make money because obviously how well you take care of your family and your neighbors are kind of tied to how much money you make. But they're more likely to say, well, I want to make money in a way that's, say, helpful to others Mm -hmm. rather than, you know, I'm just out to make money and not caring about the effects on others. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, and as we go through these, just a quick reminder, too, that these questions were were brought up by, these were not ACCS questions. So when they're Correct. asking these questions, they've asked, it's, it feels, I'll, I'll be honest, like when you read this, like how many times do you read your Bible? It feels a little legalistic to ask these questions, like, you know, from us. But this is actually a question that the Cardis, or that Notre Dame came up with to measure Christian commitment. So we're not saying this is what shows, you know, it does, obviously, but what I'm saying is, I, I think as I look at these, this is what a, a third party actually came up with as questions to measure. Yeah, it's it shouldn't be taken as a, you know, we had a school board meeting and decided what our like key performance indicators were of exactly. like, well, our kids need to read the Bible at least uh, six times a week, and at least a third need to be leaders in their congregation. Right. Uh, instead, these are metrics that were chosen by a, a national organization. Partially because they're measurable. Mm -hmm. Because, like, reading the Bible, of course, is necessary for your faith. But we wouldn't say it's necessarily, like, directly tied to how pious you are, especially when it's, like, well, how many times you read it? Because you could read, like, your life verse for two minutes every morning. Or you could spend (laughs) once a week reading for three hours. But the survey wouldn't really pick up on that very right. well. Yeah, so, but I do think they are good proxies as yes. far as how can we get at general trends. Yep, yep, absolutely. Okay, so number four. Are we on number four? Is that right? We are on number Thank four. You. I'm just flipping there in the survey listing here. <laughs> um, so number four is conservative and traditional. Um, these would be, can, uh, can government solve problems, uh, good sexual ethics, who God is, authority of the church, science and faith compatible, inerrance of, inerrancy of the Bible. Um, oh, and, and some of these were really interesting. And maybe you could go through some of these, Aaron, with us as well. I thought this was interesting. Well, the first, the first point I saw was 84% believe that the Bible is scientifically and historically reliable. Yeah, and I think, not to hit on the whole integrated curriculum thing too much, but I'd probably see that as a direct result. Yes. Mm-hmm. So often in education, uh, and this kills me, of the whole, well, do you believe in faith or science uh, kind of thing? And not only is that like logically incoherent to ask the question, it's entirely anachronistic. Mm-hmm. If you went back to, say, Isaac Newton, and were like, well, Mr. Newton, do you believe in faith or science? He'd give you a weird look mm-hmm. because he published actually, I think, more religious treatises than he did mathematical or scientific treatises, even though he, you know, co-invented the integral calculus. Um, So what that integrated curriculum does is you actually look through firsthand sources and you actually look through historical figures that created science and you realize it's not this 
very secular, we don't need God antagonism that we have in today's culture. Um, in fact, you have, you know, many early folks being sponsored by uh, the Church Visible to do their uh, investigations. Yeah, yep, absolutely. And the other thing is, they mentioned how interesting it was to see that the trust of scientists and the trust of scripture, they were both very high. Yeah, and one commentator I heard on that, it might be actually in the uh, listing of the the Good Soil Survey, the analysis the ACCS put out is uh, interpreting that as a independent thinking. Because mm-hmm. yep. uh, the question like, do you trust scientists, struck me as a little odd because it's like, well, it depends what the scientists are like saying and like who they're sponsored by, right? Um, but I think there, it get, especially like, well, do you trust the media? It's like, well, what does the media mean? Like, uh, Define your terms. <laughs> define <laughs> define your terms. Um <laughs> But I think there it reflects probably an underlying willingness of folks to engage with viewpoints that they might not agree and entertain ideas that they might not agree with, which, again, is what we do. Like we read, you know, the ancient Greeks and like some of their things, particularly their sexual ethics, you know, are not things that we'd endorse today. But we still look at them and engage with those viewpoints and ask, like, is it right or not? And we weigh that against the rest of the things that we know, which is what our alumni are doing here of taking, well, this is what, you know, the nighttime news says, this is what I read on you know Twitter, and this is what the Bible says. And we can weigh those sources of input appropriately and come to a conclusion. Yes. Yeah. So I talked with Jen Pohl about this last week when we talked about living books and older books having ideas that sometimes we wouldn't necessarily agree with today or words in there that we wouldn't mm, <laughs> necessarily sure. watch. As, and how important it is, exactly like you're saying, that we're able to, in ACCS schools, in our classical Christian school, to engage with those ideas, discuss them. Hopefully our students feel the freedom to bring things up in those class, which I know that they do, they're able, we're able to debate back and forth. Whereas today in schools, there are a lot of things that we would not feel comfortable bringing up in a classroom. They're just not talked about. Um, and so it is interesting that in a conservative traditional school, classical Christian school, we can talk about a plethora of ideas um, and things that we don't agree with, but we can engage with them, compare them, um, decide you know what is truth. And in other places, they they just if things are we just don't. I think we're like compelled or it would be canceled, right? Like yeah. I'm, I'm struggling what to say, but really, like we there's things that you can't talk about. They're basically anathema if you bring them up in in different arenas. And so just being able to talk about these things, it's it's very important in our homes, in our schools, to be able to talk about um, life and what's going on. And like you said, compare it to truth, scripture. And it's because we believe that we have both the revealed revelation in the Bible as well as natural revelation. So there's actually a source of truth we can appeal to. And when you actually have the truth, you can entertain what you think to be heresies. You can actually, you can listen to the heretics. You don't have to burn them. Mm -hmm. Whereas our current cultural moment has no metaphysical foundation. You know, our current cultural moment says God is dead. We have to decide what we're doing ourselves. Everything is a power struggle. And if everything is a power struggle, then you can't, you know, face heresies, whatever that heresy might be. I use that term loosely. Sure. Um, instead of, well, you have to burn the heretics because ultimately there is no reason you can appeal to 
And the classical model really helps get us back to, hey, we can actually sit down and, and talk with one another. In many ways, it's kind of like the anti-Facebook, the anti-Twitter, hmm. because instead of, you know, pick your team and go fight, it's more of a, hey, we're going to read about something that happened way back when. So guess what? You can't rely on your team affiliation and your emotions to decide what's right. Uh, you have to actually look at what happened. For example, uh, the recent debate the humanities class had on was the first crusade justified? Mm -hmm. And even that one probably brings up some emotional appeals, but probably most people, kind of myself included, were like, first crusade, let's see, which one was that? Um, so there we actually <laughs> had to like bring in like facts and say uh, Aquinas's just war theory instead of just be like, of course it was right, or of course it wasn't, or whatever. We mm -hmm. couldn't just be nationalistic or pacifist right. to come to our ideas. Yeah, yep, great. Uh, the last thing I wanted to hit on here, with I, which I thought was interesting, is um, more more people in the ACCS group were more likely to know an LGBTQ individual. Um, no types of people in that group um, and be friends with them, but less likely to accept the lifestyle. So what that tells me is that we're called to love our neighbors, called to love those around us, and so um, even though we can disagree, we can be kind, encouraging, know these types, you know, the people that we disagree with, these groups of people we disagree with. And I, I was encouraged by that. Yeah. And I think, again, that's a, the classical educational model gives you that confidence yes, where you can believe what you believe and have reasons for that. And it's not a team affiliation kind of thing, which right. is where much of America is right now of like, oh, you're in that, you're on the other team, like, eek, you, like, I can't talk to you. Right. Um, so... I think that's what's at play there. Yeah, and, and we're called to, to love love others we disagree with and, um, you know, bring in some Rosaria Butterfield, but invite them into our homes and care care for other people. Exactly. So um, anyway, so yeah, that was another thing that I thought was great. So, okay, so profile number five is, are they prepared for college and career? Ah, yes. Academic outcomes. Yes, there you go. What we're all in school for, because that's the only thing school's about, right? That's what you think <laughs> you're in school for. It's not actually the case. <laughs> yeah. No, so, it is a big deal. Uh, still some uh, impressive numbers here. Uh, we've got 55%, uh, excuse me, 54% uh, reported earning all or mostly A's in college uh, versus 36 for prep schools. Mm -hmm. So when you think through like, well, who's going to score well in college? Like you'd probably put the prep schools up there because like that's their the reason they exist mm -hmm. is to prepare you uh, for college and yet ACCS at least on self-reported grades is getting above that so given those other moral things hopefully the ACCS students are you know telling the truth about their grades here <laughs> there you go <laughs> um, yes and 73 percent felt like they were well prepared for a job after they graduated um, anything else you want to bring up I, the one thing I wanted, if you don't have anything right away. Oh, um, go for it. I, so I saw um, on the website, there were a few alumni just featured here and there in some of the groups. And um, there was a physicist who graduated from an ACCS school, and Andrew Brinkeroff, I believe. I think he's in Texas now. But um, he, uh, he had a multi-billion dollar project in the in Switzerland, and he, um, I can't read my notes the here. The Large Hadron Collider. That, I, <laughs> I, what is? So the Large Hadron Collider. Um, I, it was called something else. I thought it was the LHC. Finding the, he's the one who found the Higgs boson. 
The Higgs boson. Yes, that's what yeah. I was thinking. Of. Okay, so that's what it is. Yeah, All the right. LHC Good. is an instrument. So it's this. Oh, okay, okay. There you go. You know, multi-billion-dollar thing that takes atoms and spins them around really quick and hits them, and then we see what pops off. So yeah, he he had this project and he made this instrument. He was a part of this instrument, like making this instrument, and it's what they said was like one of the most major discoveries in the last like century, even. For sure. Yeah. Um, which people like you know, who are scientists like you would know. People like me, I had no idea, but I was very impressed that this scientist graduated from an ACCS school. So sometimes we think, you know, ACCS going to liberal arts, but I saw many other alumni being featured here that people going to, to science um, and uh, in other in mathematics, they're faring very well. Yeah, and I think uh, especially with uh, feeling well-prepared for a job, particularly in this kind of post-COVID world, I think that has accelerated when the degree bubbles, you know, going to burst. Because yeah. in the past, it seemed like, oh, you know, four-year degree is, you know, kind of your ticket to the middle class. I think more and more we're seeing where that just doesn't add up for a whole variety of reasons we don't have time to discuss here. Uh, but just seeing that the ACCS students felt very prepared for a job. And I think the language arts plays a huge aspect in that. Sure. Uh, especially as, you know, I used to be a middle manager at a, a software company. So actually my entire job was talking to folks who were, you know, kind of nerdy like me. <laughs> and what kind of separated folks who might have wanted to go f on the management track versus those who just stayed developing uh, was the language art skill of, you know, how well can you communicate via email and in person? Hmm. They reached the rhetoric stage of language Indeed. arts. <laughs> That's great. And my division was also named after a Latin phrase, so there you go. Oh, look at that. You started early. Yeah. <laughs> Even before you came to Karis, you know, it was written. Oh, I was going to say in the stars. That's not what we'd say here, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was providentially planned for you. Um, okay. So anything else here prepared for college and career? I think that's all I've got for this uh, profile. Okay, yeah. They, they did mention, too, that our students tend to do really well on these standardized tests, which, again, we don't necessarily, we don't train our students for a test, but uh, historically, our, you know, ACCS students has, have done well on SATs and ACTs. And so, since we have our first graduating seniors this year, too, we're seeing yeah. that, too. Soon we'll have data on how uh, folks did on the AP calculus test, so... Awesome. Absolutely. Maybe we can report back last year if they're or next year if they're willing to share their scores. <laughs> We're going to... Well, no pressure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're recording this before I record a um, podcast with the seniors, but we get to interview them as well. But Oh, boy. I think this is... <laughs> you can cross-examine our uh, test prep strategies with them. There you go. Perfect. Okay. Profile number six. There's only two more. Um, this is the second to last one. Independent thinkers. Um, are they able to retain orthodoxy and think for themselves? You and I discussed that a little bit already, mm -hmm. but, um, but these are some of the um, statistics that came out as well. Yeah. I think uh, a big one to hit on is the, I read more than 10 books a year mm -hmm. and ACSS was the highest in that with 88% agreeing. Uh, the next highest was homeschoolers with around 68 or 69%. And I think that's a big one, especially when we're looking at lifelong learning. Because uh, you can kind of ask, well, do we like, you know, have them learn the Latin and read the classics here? And then is it like you hit your senior year and it's like, ah, time to wash my hands of that and go learn nothing else in my life. And in fact, it seems there's the exact opposite of we've actually succeeded in instilling like a joy in our students right. and a desire to continue their education, yep. which is great because like the whole Western 
canon is way too big for the first, you know, 12 or so years of your life. Absolutely. Yeah. But raising those lifelong learners is a big deal. Um, Okay. Anything else on this one? Let's see. One about uh, ACS's grads are tolerant, but openly challenging. (laughs) Um, So there they had a they're tolerant of non-Christian groups, uh, challenge religious views in public, and do not believe religion is a private matter. And that's not to get on the soapbox, but I think that's a pretty key one here of part of the American epidemic, if you will, is, you know, religion's great, but keep it in your head and mm-hmm. don't let it affect anything at all, yeah. which is kind of, you know, backwards because like, well, if, you know, if we do know the underlying way that the world works, you'd think we'd, you know, use that knowledge in how we live our lives, but... The theology coming out our fingertips. Yeah, theology matters. Everyone has one. Just depends whether you acknowledge it or not. Yep, absolutely. Nothing neutral. Um, okay, and the last one is cultural influence. How are how ACCS grads impact culture? Are they willing to protest injustice? Are they willing to donate to charity? Um, be a part of charitable institutions? Um, involved in more you know, non-church organizations? Are you obliged to take action against wrong or injustice? That is a big one because um, I was just reading, I probably mentioned this before, a Jordan Peterson book. <laughs> and he's not a believer, but he's a psychologist and a psychiatrist. Is he a psychologist? Psychiatrist? He's a psychologist for sure. Yeah, he's got his doctorate. Psychologist. Behavioral psychologist. Yeah. So he, um, and he talks about how, how incredibly hard it is for humans, which we know is to stand up against injustice to actually take action when injustice is taking part right in front of you um and how rare it is for somebody to actually do something to stop an injustice from taking taking um taking place so here um man i mean it's huge uh more than 20 like 20 percent more than the highest um percentage here uh, where ACCS grads agreed that they're obliged to take action against wrong or injustice. Same with protesting injustice. Yeah, and I think it's one cool thing there is matching this up with some of the profiles before where folks coming out of the ACCS schools still retain their Christian heritage. They Mm -hmm. tend to be theologically conservative and on certain issues such as, you know, is gay marriage uh, morally wrong, they'd say, yes, it's morally wrong because that's what the Bible says. Yet they're also willing to stand up and uh, protest injustice, mm-hmm. which I think is good because in our current day, it's almost a split kind of thing. Like either you're going to be huge into this idea that your theology matters in the public life, but your theology isn't actually Christian, or you actually believe Christian theology, but you keep it to yourself and don't think it should actually affect the world around you. Um, and this really serves as a, an antidote to that. And I think part of that is just the historical backing that folks get, because as we examine the, we're not reading necessarily history books written by people in our age. We took C.S. Lewis's advice and we're reading old books and mm-hmm. seeing the conflicts they had there. And that helps us avoid certain problems like, you know, seeing the whole world to it through a certain, you know, racial lens or whatever. When we look back, you know, 1930s, what's the big conflict? It's, well, capital versus labor is a big conflict there. And if you didn't study history, you wouldn't know that, and you'd be tempted to take the modern conflicts and read that back on all of history. Hmm. Kind of like Karl Marx did, where, you know, 
He said the the history of the world is nothing but the history of class warfare. And then, you know, you actually read history and it's like, you know, I don't really think that's accurate um, historically. So, you know, our historical grounding helps people see past that and also helps them apply what they're learning, that conservative Christian theology they have and actually putting it out in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. All right. So anything to wrap us up? Before we go, that was the last profile. I mean, this is really encouraging to see. I know that there were uh, there's a lot more than just the few things that we went over here. Um, we could take a lot more time to go through specifics, but this is just an overview and an encouragement for for our families to go and look at this because it is very encouraging to see. Um, finally, we have enough alumni that we can have a base to actually study the the life outcomes. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention is they start at 23. It's not like they're straight out of um of these schools it's they've had a little bit of time they've gone to college maybe gone into a career so that's when they start to study these folks um so this has affected their lives this is kind of retained um importance in their lives their their education has so anything else you want to add aaron no i think you hammered on it exactly with the uh this isn't just you know college grads thinking oh i did great on my most recent standardized test. This is years down the line where they're seeing those benefits of classical education continue to give benefits. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned it before, but um, it's true that the purpose of classical education is to cultivate truth, goodness, and, and beauty in the, the lives and souls of our students. And so, um, yeah, that's what we pray um, is happening at our school. And that's what we want to partner with our parents to encourage um, them in their God-given duty to raise their kids to the glory of God. And we're just so thankful to, to be a part of a school like this. Thankful to have teachers like you, Mr. Decker. I'm glad I strong-armed you into coming. <laughs> Thanks for getting me to come. It's, uh, we're very glad to have you. Great time. It's great. It's really fun. So glad you're here. Thanks for being our resident nerd today. <laughs> Again, that's your term, not mine. Um, but It's but, a gift and a curse. Yeah, there you go. Um, so... Anytime we have somebody on the podcast, we always end with a recommendation. So, Mr. Decker, is there anything you would recommend to us? Sure. I'm going to switch from nerd mode into jock mode here because I am a physical education teacher. (laughs) And so, you know, you want to read the classics. You look at the survey and see people reading 10 books a year or more. And there's so much in this Western canon you want to read. But there's a problem. You also want to get your squat weight up. You want to get your bench up. You want to get your deadlift up. But there's just not enough time in the day. So how do you do both? So here's my cop-out recommendation. Audiobooks. LibriVox.org gives you public domain audiobooks for free. And the nice thing there is a lot of the classics are public domain because they're published before 1920. So you've got all the kind of standard classics, Paradise Lost, um, The Iliad, some really great versions there. You can also get some fun histories of things written in earlier generations. So I just wrapped up finishing a history of Pittsburgh that was written in 1908, which certainly gives you an interesting uh, perspective there. Um, yeah. Particularly on like uh, labor relations. Wow. Interesting. So you get not only the historical aspect, but also seeing the people at the time they wrote. And it's kind of fun. You can just browse the catalog and hit download and you're good to go. So you can squat and learn squat and learn there you go and on that <laughs> we're not going to get a sell on jujitsu today i thought that's what we were going to get well i think that should be a whole podcast episode on got it 
why Socrates would want us to play Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu today. Okay. All right. There we go. So look out for it, families. Yeah. <laughs> why Socrates? Cliffhanger. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. Well, my recommendation would be go to um, to classical difference.com classical difference.com and check out the good soil study there so you can see a little bit more about this study and be encouraged uh, about the type of school that your your kids are in and yeah thank you so much for partnering with us in this and um, i pray that you're encouraged by this today and thanks so much mr decker for joining us look forward thank to you for having me on of course absolutely and we're looking forward to next time when you we learn all about jujitsu <laughs> indeed <laughs> okay thanks so much Harris families Bye.